Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, I've got a return guest to the podcast to talk about some very important magic stuff. Please welcome back, Megan. Hi. It's good to be back. Thank you so much for being back. Um, I looked at your last episode, which was episode 21, and you're going to be episode uh, 51. So it's hard to believe that that was 30 weeks ago that we last had you on the show. Goodness, how time flies. Yes. I didn't know how long I'd be doing the podcast when I got the idea for it in late 2018, but I started it off episode one on... I think January 4th or 3rd, 2019, and I've done it every single Friday this whole year. Well, that's impressive. Congrats. Thanks so much. Um, Would you like to promote anything? Do you have any uh, Twitter, social media, uh, streams, or anything you'd like to promote? Sure. Uh, So I maintain a website, bluemanamagic.com, and it's just a personal magic-oriented blog that I don't update frequently enough. Uh, I'm more active lately on my Twitter also, mm-hmm. uh, at Blue Mana Magic. And I, you know, mostly just huge gamer, huge mm-hmm. magic nerd. <laughs> uh, and I love to build all sorts of fun, crazy kitchen table decks. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So that's going to tie in exactly perfectly with today's topic. Speaking of being big magic nerds, we've got new stuff, new magic stuff to nerd over. We're right in the middle as we record this podcast uh, in uh, Theros Beyond Death Reveals. We're starting to get some new stuff about that brand new set coming out in uh, mid uh 2020. So in general, did you ever play when original Theros was out? Oh, yes. That was actually, I would have to say, when I was most active at like Friday Night Magic and uh, game days and things like that. Um, So I played a lot during Theros block. Mm -hmm. People should go back to episode 21 of the podcast to get the full story. Uh, but any one memory you'd like to recollect about that when you were playing back at the time? What was like the biggest bomb card that you had when you played <laughs> at that time? Oh, let's see. So one of my favorite um, experiences with the Theros block was uh, playing a mono black devotion deck. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't have the thought seizes, but I had mm-hmm. uh, the Night Vale Spectre and, of course, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun. It was it was so rewarding to, you know, take your first few turns getting out all the things you could and then dropping down a turn five Grey Merchant and yes. watching your opponent's life just drain away. Yeah, and in a multiplayer game, that card is even more devastating, isn't it? Because the uh, the life gain is cumulative? Yes. Um, I actually learned this the hard way uh, with a <laughs> Theros block cube that I had uh, put together. I put in one too many copies of Grey Merchant, because <laughs> it is, after all, 
a common. Mm -hmm. And I had built it to be kind of more of a draft sim. And yeah, one of one of our playgroup managed to draft two of them. <laughs> and it was like a five person free for all. Yeah. So it ended up being a full uh, 20 life lost around the table <laughs> and 20 and, and 80 life gained. It was pretty much just game over at that point. Wow. That's like exactly what I want to do when I play multiplayer because I like playing either mono black or Demir or I suppose Orzhov. So black has to be in there. And I just love doing effects that mess with the whole board and then suddenly I'm arch enemy. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I actually don't have any of those cards, uh, Grey Merchant, and uh, I feel like I want to get at least one to put in my commander deck. But uh, do you think there'll be any sort of similar reprint of that card coming back in the new set? I, well, they're, they're very definitely bringing Devotion back. I mean, mm -hmm. that's already been uh, spoiled, revealed, I should say, because it's an official reveal. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we're going to see a Grey Merchant. Uh, if, I, if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. cool. But it's, I think if, if we see it reprinted, it's definitely going to be an uncommon. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be reprinted at common. It's just, it's, it's, too, it's too good at common. Well, breaking news, I just heard that we're actually going to get Off-White Merchant of Asphodel reprinted. That's a joke. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, what, one thing I'm excited for, um, and I know we've only seen a handful of cards so mm. far, is the return of Sagas. Yeah. I believe it's the Acroan War is the saga they, they've spoiled and man yes. it looks so good mm -hmm. do you mean in terms of gameplay or also just uh visually the card and such ah both like you know it, it for those of you listening go ahead and pull this card up it the art is fantastic it looks just like those ancient greek uh like the artwork that they have the art like on the urns that they have on the urns and whatnot yeah, and then functionally, oh, so good, so spicy, because you put it down, and you it's essentially a four-cost still a creature, mm -hmm. but it's not for one turn, mm -hmm. it's for two turns, which at four mana, granted sorcery speed, but that's not a problem, because Act of Treason, which yeah. is only one mana less, same speed. But yeah, you, you get a, a creature, uh, and then the next turn, the, the next step in the saga, your opponent's creatures have to attack each mm -hmm. combat if able, which leaves them tapped, which is key for the last step, mm -hmm. which every tapped creature deals damage equal to its power to itself. Yes. So in a way, this helps kind of force combat helps you kind of control the board and then hopefully wipe the board of a lot of threats and mm. red doesn't really have much in the way of being able to wipe the board mm -hmm. so i think this is a real uh game changer not just for standard but i think it's going to 
I think, see some play in like Commander. I could totally see red decks. Anything running red is going to want to pick this up as a way to uh, provide some board control, which is something that red desperately needs. I think so. There's one mono red player in my commander group, and he plays Itali, um, and it's a really cool card, but it's true that there isn't that much control uh, dealing with a lot of your opponents. Once you start doing your red shenanigans, you're kind of a target, and I kind of noticed that against him. So this card, I, I think he would definitely be on the lookout to have it in his in his deck so it is a uh, a three turn at the very least it's a three turn uh, yes act of treason yeah yeah so it's it, it sticks around for like a little bit longer than act of treason which is just until end of turn so you get to take their their creature and then you tap them out they fight each other and so forth so uh the artwork also fits really well in it like we're saying if you're just listening to the podcast go look at that artwork and we've got like someone uh, trying to convince someone else of something and then everyone's then kneeling down and then suddenly everyone's fighting each other and it's like perfectly capturing what's happening in the card with the artwork and then even more kind of artistically and interesting it's like an actual tapestry that's being put together because you can still see the rest of the um textile being woven mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's a theme uh not only in you know uh the this set itself but something that um is very uh fitting with the kind of greek roman mythology of that your fate is not fully uh, hasn't been fully fleshed out hasn't mm. been finished mm -hmm. uh the threads of fate there's a lot of um there's a lot of inspiration there mm-hmm now, did you see the card Revoke Existence yet? Oh yeah, yeah, that one's that one's good. Uh glad to see that one. I think that one's is that one a reprint? I almost want Yeah, yeah, it was in Born of the Gods. So mm -hmm. it and that was actually the last time we saw it. Um was in the last Theros block. So mm. to see it again is really, really cool. Yeah, so it's like a pushed disenchant, isn't it? Because, well, disenchant isn't that one instant. It's probably instant. But this is exile, target, uh, artifact, or enchantment, where, where classic disenchant would destroy it. And if they get it back from the graveyard, you have to deal with it again. And here is a sorcery speed, but exile it instead. So... Um, on the one hand, trying to push it, I suppose, but then bringing it back from, uh, bringing it to sorcery instead of instant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, one thing that tends to happen more and more, um, in magic is they're pushing a lot of things to sorcery speed where they can, hmm. um, and definitely making this not strictly worse because of the exile clause instead mm -hmm. of it being destroy uh and i think that's a fair trade-off mm -hmm. i there's going to be a lot of graveyard uh shenanigans in this set mm -hmm. uh thanks to one of the other mechanics and so i think getting stuff away from the graveyard is going to be huge mm-hmm yeah, uh, even even before we got to even before we get to Theros 
beyond death, we've got uh, graveyard stuff happening. So putting in answers as standard shifts around to dealing with stuff in the graveyard, I think is going to be very important because I think one of the next levels of people when they first play, and I and I think there's a lot of newer people playing, but one of the next levels of learning to play is, well, your graveyard can also be a resource. It's not just a dead pile of cards. It is a place where with the right combos and such and cards, you can still bring back stuff from your graveyard and have them play again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and once you've made that step, uh, you just slowly descend into the advanced level madness that is your life total is a resource. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So you win the game if you're at 20 or if you're at one. And I have been noticing that uh, the some of the people that I play in real life, as they start off in the game, they, they really covet their life total. Like, I can't take any damage. And then I'm, mm-hmm. I, I do take the damage and like, wow, you're going to take seven? And like, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not 20 that I'm taking. It's only seven and I can handle it probably. And so, uh, yeah, that's a little piece of uh, advanced knowledge for people starting off. Your graveyard's a resource and your life total's a resource. You know, kind of tying into that is another card that has me absolutely just jaw on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, aptly named Staggering Insight. This is a an enchantment aura for a, a white and a blue. And it reads, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has lifelink. And whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Mm-hmm. So this is, for, for context, uh, those of you who have played during the Ixalan uh, Guilds of Ravnica standard, so to speak, mm-hmm. may remember Curious Obsession. Mm-hmm. which was a single blue to give plus one, plus one to a creature. And you could draw a card if it managed to hit a player. Mm-hmm. For an extra white mana, you gain lifelink on top of that. Mm-hmm. And I think this one card, and it's an uncommon as well. Yes, I think this one card is going to see definite standard play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of flyer support in both the Ravnica sets, uh, the Throne of Eldraine, like Mm -hmm. there is so much support for flyers. I think we're going to see blue-white flyers, bant flyers, uh, green, white, blue. Uh, I think we're going to see a resurgence of, you know, more of those kind of mid-range, stick a creature down, put some stuff on top of it, and Mm -hmm. go to town. I think so. I was playing a mono blue tempo deck before this rotation into Eldraine, and I was definitely using the Curious Obsession to to its full potential, and so I really missed it after the rotation. And even though this wouldn't fit in quite the same shell, um, it definitely, well, it's got the permanence of it where if you didn't attack with Curious Obsession, the enchantment went away. This one mm-hmm. is a permanent enchantment, plus the plus one to it, um, like the Obsession. 
but the lifelink adds to that. So it, it adds like the classic uh, enchantment from back in the old days, spirit link, where it would mm-hmm. give your, your creature lifelink before it was named as lifelink. But it gives you a card on top of that. And card advantage, as always, is that's another advanced technique. The more cards you have ahead of your opponent, the more potential answers and threats you have against them, not just whittling your hand down as the turn passes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that is all why this one card, I feel like, is going to see a lot of play. It's a mm-hmm. bomb and limited. It's amazing in the right constructed deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one card that came to mind was uh, Flutterfox from Throne mm-hmm. of Eldraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a two, two, two for two, uh, one and a white, and it gains flying if it if you control an enchantment or an artifact. Mm-hmm. So turn three, you could have a three three flying lifelink draw Life card if you hit a player creature. Yeah. I always call that one uh, Firefox when I'm right. on stream. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, this is just going to be perfect with it because, yeah, 3-3 three, three on turn 3, lifelink, draw a card. Um, and uh, it's might be a little hard to deal with because if you get it that early out, especially in a draft perhaps, uh, the opponent might not be quite prepared for a flyer on that turn. And you have to deal with two ways, either remove the creature or remove the, the enchantment. And by the time they're trying to get that together, they've already maybe gotten pinged once or twice and you've gotten some card advantage and the life oh yeah yeah three life with that fox yeah it's it's gonna be good mm-hmm. what do you think art wise i i like the art um one thing i i've noticed right off the bat looking at at it is they're a lot more focused on the individuals in the artwork um, one that really stands out is the uh, Satessan Champion. Uh, that's two in a green, and it's a human warrior. And you can see uh, versus uh, some card art where it's really uh, zoomed out. Yeah. Think like Indomitable Will, where it's kind of got this uh, faded uh, image of Iroas in the background. Uh, the Satessan champion, you really can kind of see this warrior and, you know, coupled with the flavor text, it really just fits really well. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really loving the attention to the detail. Um, the flavor text is definitely making me wonder where they're going to take that story. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of hinted at it um, at the end of the original Theros block. Hmm. And I'm really glad to see that they're, they're picking up what they kind of teased and actually doing it. Yeah. For someone that wasn't originally playing during Theros, I have heard, you know, secondhand recollections and such. And I've, tried to read the uh, the lore a little bit here and there and read up on wikis and such. So I don't know the complete story that happened, but um, Elspeth was a very important uh, character in that. So she's getting a new card. Um, now she's Elspeth, son's nemesis, or originally she was son's champion. So spoiler alert for a set that is, what, uh, at least 10 years old? Um, she is returning 
pro- uh, well, from what we know so far, probably returning from the underworld, probably going for some revenge and such a Kill Bill action, maybe. And uh, <laughs> now she's the nemesis instead of the champion of the son of, of Heliod, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting to, uh, you know, look at the, the way that they're, they're shifting her character. It's not in any way that's outside of her because she's very much a, you put me in a situation, I am going to do the right thing, regardless of what that thing is. Hmm. Uh, you know, you, you see that uh, in in the the novels for Theros. You see that in the the magic story. And she's also someone who's haunted uh, because she uh, was first as a young child uh, terrorized by the Phyrexians mm-hmm. and escaped, planeswalked to Bant, learned how to be a soldier, and then she fa- and and. In between her her adventure from from wherever she started to Bant, she landed on Theros for just a brief time, and that's where she got her signature sword, which later became her spear. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, it's it's nice to see that they're picking up that that storyline. You know, she uh, spoilers uh, ahead. <laughs> uh, she was betrayed by the sun god Heliod. And so hence why she's in the underworld. Mm-hmm. And so definitely she's she's in it to get rid of this tyrant of a entity. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm excited for it. And and we cannot talk about planeswalkers and and Theros without bringing up Ashiok. Yes. Ashiok was a character in the original Theros, right? Yeah, Ashiok was introduced in the original Theros. Uh, and other than that, we don't know much about Ashiok. Mm-hmm. I do know that I love their card a lot when I play it uh, in my Demir deck, and I love the voice acting on Arena when Ashiok does their thing and uh, really messes with my opponent. Yeah. Uh, the the original printing was that was one of my favorite cards uh when i moved to playing more of a blue black control during theros uh ashiok was my go to i stole so many cards <laughs> with the original uh it was it was fantastic mhm so parallel sort of to the cards themselves we are getting like kind of fancy versions of them so i'm looking at the ashiok regular version of the art and looks really nice and then there's this sort of also um what's their official terminology but you know the premium version the full art version and it's more of like a statue statuary Mm -hmm. going on Uh, what do you think about that that you have these two sort of like radically different uh artworks for the particular card um, I, I'm always in favor of having options. Uh, I myself am less about the artwork and more about the gameplay, mm-hmm. but I will admit the, uh, alternate art, premium art, whatever you want to call it. It is fantastic. Like it's, 
it's so flavorful. Like it it takes the like have they done something similar to this with the uh what they call them from the uh Amonkhet block, the the essentially the masterpiece Amonkhet invocations, I believe. The invocations, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the invocations, if they were more like this, where very themed in the art, but not as overdone as they were, sure. I think they would have gone over so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those invocations definitely look really interesting, but hard to read and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe a little bit overdone. And I wonder if they'll try anything that sort of pushed. They kind of tried to do it a little bit somewhat in Throne of Eldraine mm-hmm. with some of those other interesting like storybook frames jumping back a little bit to eldraine what did you think about those sorts of like pushed designs in the in that alternate art in the storybook frames i i really liked it um it it really helped kind of frame the set as being very much a fairy tale arthurian legends set uh really wanted you to feel like it was (laughs) quote jumping out of the pages as mm-hmm. it were and mm-hmm. i think they really they they capture that pretty well mm-hmm. um i i think with these the ones for theros uh beyond death i really really like them they're v- very clean uh and yet very flavorful and thematic mm-hmm. and i will always take a nice uh clean presentation over a busy one because sure. when I'm when I'm playing the game I really don't want to have to ever uh refer to a non alternate one to know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of like textless full art cards for example. You didn't love the textless cryptic command that is out there? Oh. <laughs> that, that hurts. I yeah. I could have that card memorized and it would still I don't know that seeing the words on the card for me makes makes it feel like it's an actual like magic card. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. That's that's a valid point because with that particular card, yes, if when it was in standard and everyone's playing it and such, okay, perhaps everyone's got it memorized. That's playing at a certain level. But then as time has passed since that last printing of that card, if you run a if you run across that card, the textless version of it, it's like, I don't know what this card is at all. I And it's got four modes to choose from, right? So mm-hmm. um, what do you, you, you're suddenly stopping the game to explain to your opponent all the particular modes, or you're just going to tell them, this is the mode that I care about right now. This is the one that I'm activating. So I do agree with you on that, that it's perhaps there's that push and pull from functionality versus art. And uh, I think overall, uh, Watsi has found overall uh, a good balance. Maybe there's those mm-hmm. edge cases with that because that was just a promo. It's kind of hard to get to, but you know when you run into it, it's kind of interesting. Um, with Eldrain, I did crack a few. Uh, well, let me actually say um, with Eldrain, I I did get some free product from Wizards of the Coast. Thank you very much for that. They sent me two packs of the collector's boosters of throne of eldraine which was full of all of this alternate art and one of the ones that i pulled on that was the was the rimrock knight which is a completely common card but in that frame it's like my favorite art in the in the whole set if 
if you take a quick look at it here, I'm going to send you the link directly there. Um, that Rimrock Knight is just some of my favorite art because it's like, it kind of feel like it's kind of busy, but I, I love it because it's the, the, the Rimrock Knight there himself is like kind of jaunty. There's yeah. a lot of detail That's in it. There's like, I don't know, rubies or whatever at the bottom and like a tapestry. It's, it's my favorite art in the whole set of Eldraine, I think. Well, alternate art. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I definitely, I like the styling of it. It very much feels like a, I don't know, it almost makes me think of like, I'm looking at an illustration for like The Hobbit or something. Mm -hmm. Like it has that kind of, you know, high fantasy illustration feel. It's it's so good. I can, I can definitely see where you're going with that. Mm -hmm. I, I can get behind that. Mm -hmm. There were several that were in that sort of style that were not the classic, well, not classic, but not the current magic style of hyperrealism, which of course is amazing and all of that, but um, kind of having alternate art like this, I think, sells the game pretty well, too. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, I, I think it helps... The, those people who played in the way early ages of, of magic where everything was more uh, illustrated and less realistic, mm -hmm. you know, the hyper-realism. And I think, I think these art styles definitely help kind of bring some of that back. So I'm, I'm glad to see that wizards is finding a way to uh, progress and modernize their game but still have those those little things that help those of us who have played for five years, 10 years, <laughs> 20 years, you know, it, 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 there's something for everybody. And that is, that is good. I think so. There's, it seems like the company walks this tightrope of looking at the past and looking at the future and balancing it all in the present. I think one of the biggest examples of that is, well, let's talk about the, the completely new radical lands. These, um, these <laughs> lands that when I first saw them, when, I don't know, were you aware of like the, what was it? The Walgreens or CVS, um, uh debacle or whatever they called it did you hear about that that uh cvs or walgreens was involved maybe um i think like someone yeah like some product got shipped to them or something and i i can't quite remember it was something like that yeah i hadn't heard I hadn't heard it until someone mentioned it in another Discord that I was in. They, they asked, what do you think about these newly revealed lands? And I looked at them and I thought right away, these are completely fake. It's someone that has some mad Photoshop skills that really wanted to show off doing some magic cards. But these were those exact lands that were somehow shipped to a Walgreens, um, which kind of blows my mind. Like, how did these packets these uh, boosters of cards end up in some random drugstore somewhere in the U.S. and someone cracked them open and shared them to the world with some blurry cell phone pictures. First of all, how do you take blurry cell phone pictures in the year 2019? And right. uh, I didn't believe that these were these cards because they had revealed this saga too, I believe, or a different saga, and these lands. Um, so apparently, you know, 
uh, product is out there in the wild or it somehow got shipped somehow or hacked or leaked or I don't know because the company never officially kind of comments on this stuff. Well, I do know um, having done, you know, some research on the process, the the cards are printed like a good few months before they're even pre-released. Like mm. they have to go through so much print run before hand to kind of do like quality control, make sure it all looks good. You know, pack uh, the booster packs are are packing correctly. I mean, there there's so much QA that has to happen beforehand, especially mm. since you know Magic players are, you know, we're we're kind of a picky bunch. We <laughs> we like our 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 four dollar booster packs, you know, to be <laughs> worth four four bucks. Mm-hmm. Not that they usually are, but you know it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. But no, um, joking aside, looking at these cards, I the 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 full art lands. Mm-hmm. I'm all like all I can see, and I'm not the only per- person to feel this way. Is they look like the energy cards from the Pokemon TCG? Yeah, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, because I do play and enjoy the Pokemon TCG. That was actually my first TCG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it still has a, a, a spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's there's a little bit of conflict. I'm not going to lie. There, mm-hmm. The similarity is a little jarring. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm usually used to you know the uh the basic land art and it looks like we are getting a full run of those yes. thankfully but mm. these these kind of i don't know if they're going to be like premium or well just looking at the collector number if, if you're looking at the reveals on scryfall if you look at the collector number uh planes is number 250 out of 254 and forest is 254 out of 254 well the regular types of lands those start off at number 279 so these are going to be the ones that are in the planeswalker decks interesting no that's a good call out um that or they they're in the um the deck builders toolkit oh, sure. or welcome decks, other maybe. other products yeah okay mm-hmm. well i i will not be opposed to cracking these uh magic energy cards <laughs> yes it'll just be a little hard not to want to you know put them under my creatures Yes. Well, we're I'm, my plane. <laughs> I'm gonna start. I'm gonna try to start the trend right now. We're gonna call them the Magic Mon cards. The Magic Mon. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, we we already have energy in Magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting, interesting period of time. Um, <laughs> yes. I got back into Magic shortly after that, but I did play it. I did play on Arena when we had mm-hmm. uh, Kaladesh plus Hour of Devastation and all of that. And I could not wait for Bomat Courier to leave the the format. You're right. Yeah. No, I uh, I think it'll be good. I I think they're going to always these these particular lands are always going to get some. Get some flack for being different or pushed or 
yeah. not a magic card. But I think there's always a contingency of uh, people that are going to look for something different and new and interesting. And those that are going to say it's not magic. As for myself, uh, I think they look beautiful. Are they mm -hmm. a magic card? Hmm, I'm used to looking at a vista of some sort of land that generates the magic. Here they're really going with like, this is the symbol of this type of magic. Here is a sun, which represents a plane, which is white mana. So I think conceptually it's kind of weird. You know, a forest is a forest. There's a forest. It gives you green mana, I suppose. Here's a mountain. I guess sometimes mountains erupt with fire. Here's a swamp, which there's dead things. Um, and then planes, well, the right. sun shines on the plane, I suppose. And then an island, there's water around the island. So this is kind of really interesting how they're really focusing on that, um, just the symbol of it. But nowadays, even a regular old land has a nice um, uh, landscape shot. Then it just has a big old symbol in the text box of it. And it doesn't explain anymore that tap this to add that. It's just the symbol, right? Right. I one thing that one thing that stands out about this artwork is that it's very much uh invoking Nyx, mm -hmm. the you know, ethereal, starry realm of the gods mm -hmm. on Theros. And it does a really good job of capturing that, that this is otherworldly. Mm -hmm. I think they've actually been referred to as Nyx lands now that you mention it. And that that will work. I one thing that that I have seen uh I think this was on like Twitter or something I saw someone mention uh when they're working with new players that they often just refer to the color of the land like green mm -hmm. or red rather than oh it's a forest and it makes green mana oh sure and so I wonder and this is obviously speculation and probably won't happen, but I could <laughs> I could definitely see down the road if Wizards tries to simplify the, you know, try to pull away from the land names. And, and, mm -hmm. and you know, that kind of just boggles the mind when, when it comes out of my mouth. But sure. at the same time, it's these kind of lands that you, you just kind of stop and think, hmm, are we really... Is it really the land or mm. is it just the magic? Mm. The energy coming from it. Yeah. Food for thought. The, did you ever hear about, uh, I think it was like a Tumblr account that it was like islands that are not islands. <laughs> and it was someone that was accumulating um, a collection of magic cards that are islands that have that don't look like an island anymore. Because obviously the original islands in Alpha and such were actual islands. And they started to eventually abstract away from it so that when you're doing islands in Ravnica, it's like a, a waterfall on the side of a building. Yep. Yeah, no, I I mean, just looking at the the extra basic lands from Theros. Mm -hmm. You know, we have an a rocky outcropping that's sitting just right offshore, mm -hmm. but it's not really an island because it's kind of jutting up from the very shallow water. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's definitely like there's a lot of abstraction in the artwork, like you said, and mm -hmm. I feel like at what point do you adjust your game? to take out some of the abstraction 
Mm-hmm. I know there are other games that, you know, they they keep some of their key components very simple. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something to think about. The game's 26 years old now, and it'll be around 26 more years, most likely. And so by then, you know, besides it being maybe even more abstracted, we're playing it holographically in our brains, but, you know, <laughs> times change. I know. You know, I if if I could be at work and you know have arena behind my eyelids, I wouldn't be entirely opposed to that. <laughs> In between uh, doing some of the work, and then every time you blink, you just you know do a little bit more of magic arena. Uh huh. <laughs> just don't rope out. <laughs> So one of the things that I like to do, and we're still early on in our recording here about uh, reveals. One of the things that I like to do when new sets come out is I'm the cat guy, and I like to look in uh, what sort of cat support do we have in a particular new set. And so far, we seem to only have one, which is Leonin of the Lost Pride. It's uh, it's a pushed version of the classic, you know, Oresco Swift Claw, a three one for two mana. It's one in a white. We get another cat warrior, really cool art. But this one has, uh, when Leonin of the Lost Pride dies, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. So there's a little bit more of that graveyard stuff happening. In addition to revoke existence as a sorcery, we've got this on an ETB on on a creature. Although this is when uh, dies exits the battlefield. Yeah. Now that's, I think that's definitely like like. Like we had discussed earlier, that's going to be huge uh, between you know the Ravnica sets and their very strong uh, graveyard support. Whether it's uh, is it with their uh, jumpstart, yeah, jumpstart, you know, and 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 obviously Golgari with their graveyard shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's going to be a lot of need for this, and so I think. Being able to pick up a 3-1, which limited, a 3-1 can go a long way. Yeah. Uh, and and if it dies, you can, you know, start targeting the, that graveyard of your opponent. Mm-hmm. Seems pretty solid. I would definitely like to see that in a pack. I think so, too. Um, in limited... Uh, something like a Nyxborn Colossus. This, again, I wasn't playing on original Theros, so when I, when I see this, it's still kind of new to me, but it's a an enchantment creature. So it's both succe- susceptible to things that regard creatures and enchantments, like that Revoke Existence, uh, mm-hmm. because I played originally um, for some time in the 90s. Uh, disenchant is my always, is my go-to destroy artifact or enchantment. And nowadays, it's more like naturalize in green, right? But disenchant is still around, of course. And so when I got back into Magic in 2017, and someone did have a an original Theros block deck, and I saw this card, and it would look so sparkly, and I read it, and it's like, enchantment creature? Like, can they do that? And that's just like the evolution of the game. Like, yeah, of course they can do. They can do anything. And I listen to Mark Rosewater's podcast all the time and the evolution of the game and how people get used to something and in, entranced or um, uh, entrenched players might not 
always love changes, but then new players, they're new to it. And it's like, yes, of course it is this way. So to see a six, seven enchant creature uh, for six mana, that's really cool. No trample though, but um, beautiful frame around that and uh, susceptible to disenchant. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that was really a big part of the original uh, Theros. Uh, there were tons of enchantment creatures. Mm -hmm. um, and and so pulling any sort of enchantment removal was huge. I, yeah. I can, I think there was like at least three or four different forms of enchantment removal in green in the Theros block. Mm -hmm. So it was plentiful. Mm-hmm. Because you had uh, your your bombs for that block were the gods, yeah. which were enchantment creatures, and so and they were indestructible. Yes. So a you'd see a lot of uh, exile or shuffle or put it to the bottom of the library or top of the library. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of that because of those very powerful enchantment creatures mm -hmm. uh, which kind of ties into another card that i have my eye on um which is the uh eidolon of philosophy this one kind of it, it's it's very unassuming but it it also i don't know it 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 speaks to some options you have as a blue player mm. it's a one two for a single blue so already you know that's not bad one yeah. two for for on turn one mm. it's an enchantment creature spirit uh and you can pay seven six and a blue and sacrifice it and draw three mm -hmm. now that's expensive i get it but having a draw three on on the creature is is really important especially in limited because you're often having to cut your non-creature spells to make sure you have enough creatures in your yeah. deck mm -hmm. and so to have something at common that later when it's not as relevant you know it gets outclassed by giant creatures like the nyxborn colossus mm -hmm. be able to you know like chump block and then uh sacrifice it yeah and and draw three that's huge yeah it's all about giving the options in the beginning mm -hmm. you might need a little bit of blocking with that one two for single mana or if you start to ping them a little bit uh with your with that's the very first creature first blood and if you keep it around if you need it you know if it's later on in the game and things are stalling and you've built up mana this is not such a bad card to draw at, you know, turn six or seven or whatever, where if it didn't have that extra draw three, it's like, wow, I'm getting a one, two on, on turn seven. Great. Well, here it's like, oh, I'm getting a one, two that can get me three more cards. So mm -hmm. not bad. Lots of options. Oh, yeah. One card that I that I'm liking is uh, Inevitable End. Uh, three mana, enchantment, aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature has, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. So I kind of love that as a Demir or Orzhov or mono black player. 
again messing with the opponent so this is not like a a, a kill spell it's not a murder or whatever um it's like a slowly if you've got other creatures those other creatures are going to uh, get killed and then eventually this last creature if you can't get rid of can't get rid of this enchantment it's like this kind of like classic black uh kind of like grinding your your will slowly on an enchantment mm-hmm well and and it's it's so so good because you just stick it on their most valuable creature and you just watch as they start weighing yes the the at what point just just like the, the flavor text says how many more of you will die before you accept your fate yes like that is chillingly on point for a for a black card yes that's definitely uh, something that I'd be picking up in limited, and I would even love to have it in commander and uh, constructed play. It really is. It really speaks to me. It's one of the ones that really stood out to me. I'm like, I'm loving a lot of the cards that are revealed so far, uh, but that one is just really up my alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah one one card that um, I saw, and it immediately took. <laughs> Uh, caused me to flash back to original Theros um, was Clothis's design. Um, apparently, the god of destiny. Hmm. Uh, anyway, this this sorcery for five and a green, so six total, uh, gives creatures you control plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is your devotion to green. Hmm. And I immediately kind of was having flashbacks to when i was playing uh my wife was playing as well and mm. she favored mono green devotion mm. and i remember you know how easy it was to just get so much mana so quickly mm. uh when you're doing mono green devotion and i think we're going to see that again is you know very aggressive ramp mm. because then it takes a card that costs six mana and you could drop that turn four sure. with very little problem. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly all of those little creatures that weren't a big deal for your opponent are a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you look at Throne of Eldraine, uh, there is a ton of devotion support. Uh, they mm-hmm. printed uh, 10 hybrid cards that cost four hybrid mana of of a particular color pair hmm. which means that any one of those creatures or or i think they're all creatures um but any one of those cards is going to automatically add four to your devotion of whatever color they provide mm-hmm. and that's that's huge that that takes um the original theros block which had um creatures that had three hybrid mana in their costs mm-hmm. and just takes it one step further. Yeah. So that's, I think we're going to see, um, we're going to see them playing around with uh, devotion, I think with bigger effects. Mm-hmm. And, and this is very much a key example of that. I think so. The, the, um, 
most recent or one of the most recent podcasts that I was listening to uh, by Mark Rosewater, he was talking about that, about returning mechanics, that they try to balance bringing back a mechanic that people remember that they like and making some new ones or maybe tweaking the older ones. So there was Chroma in um, an early set, I believe it was Lorwyn, and then later that was tweaked to be Devotion in uh, in Theros. So they might bring it back as is, the, the, the last version of it, or they might tweak it a little bit more in ways we haven't quite seen yet. Well, when it looks like um, another example of Devotion that they've revealed uh, is a, an actual returning character to the Theros story. Uh, and that is Daxos, mm -hmm. uh, blessed by the sun. Mm -hmm. He's a two and star, uh, a star, an X, uh, for two. And his, his toughness is equal to your devotion to white, mm -hmm. which since he's already, uh, double white for his mana cost, he essentially is a two, two like always. But the moment you start dropping more white permanence to the battlefield his toughness just starts going through the roof yeah whether that's auras other enchantments other creatures like you could drop a turn three nyxborn courser and now you have two creatures that are both two four yeah uh and it, it would just keep going from there so I, I, I think that I, I really like that they're making the uncommons uh, very relevant. I, I've definitely felt like a lot of uncommons in the, in the past year have been very constructed playable. Mm -hmm. And it's not a uh, standard is not solely dominated by mythics and rares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Veil of Summer, that was the uh, the card so good it had to get banned, and it was uncommon. Right? Hmm. Of course, we can't, we can't forget Treasure Cruise from Cons of Tarkir. Oh, sure. That was, and that was a common, wasn't it? That was a common. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess they said, well, you're going to have to pay eight mana for, for drawing cards. Uh, yeah, we'll stick the, uh, the other claws onto it, and whoops, now you can actually only pay one for it. What could go wrong? You know, an ancestral recall in a standard, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of goes into my next point. So let me pick my last card and then maybe we'll, we'll get your last card as well. Um, here's a card that I kind of see it as an evolution of things. So let me send you to, let me send you like the progenitors of this card first. Let me send you the first card. Mm-hmm. And then the second card, and then we'll talk about the newest version of it, perhaps. Um, the one that I sent you first was Weakness, single black mana, which has been around since Alpha. It's an enchantment, enchant creature, minus two, minus one. So one black mana, you, you weaken your opponent's creature, minus two, minus one. That eventually evolved in Mirage to uh, double black. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. Well, perhaps the latest generation of that is Meyer's Grasp. That's one black, one generic for minus three, minus three onto a creature. What do you think about this sort of like evolution of, of these concepts that have been around in the game for like literally 25 years? 
Well, you know, I, I've wow. Like that's that's a lot of um, that's a lot minus three minus three uh, on one and a black. Yeah. Like the closest thing we've had to that, um, in in like power level, uh, I actually just yeah dead weight. So that one, and that one was just printed in Guilds of Ravnica, mm-hmm. um, and that one is a single black, and it gives minus two minus two. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think going to two mana for an extra minus one minus one is a really good deal in this case because we really haven't seen anything of that power level, um, at least that I can remember. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's going to be huge because a lot of things at the uh, turn two, turn three level, there's not a whole lot that's going to be able to dodge that. Yeah, and anything that doesn't immediately die to that probably isn't going to have any power left, because mm-hmm. most things that could dodge a minus three to toughness within the first few turns probably don't have much in the way of power. Yeah, like that Daxos that we were talking about, it it'll might end up at some point like as a you know as a zero uh, four zero five or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And for that for that expenditure of mana, and even like that big scary Nyxborn Colossus, well, that'll cut it down to a power of three rather than a scarier six seven. Right, and and at one and a black, this is easily uh, you can easily put this into multicolored decks mm-hmm. um, versus you know going back to some of the stuff you sent. Um, enfeeblement which was double black so i love i love the power i'm a little i'm i'm unsure if this is too pushed Mm -hmm. uh you know because we've seen two cost uh removal spells get a little out of hand uh i think i think fatal push Fatal was, push, I think, is just a single black. Was that a single black? Yeah, but that it's uh, it's black. related to the CMC, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think, I think that's the, th- I think the the spirit of that is, you know, these low cost removal uh, is something that we've seen wizards go back and forth on. <laughs> you know, they took away uh, lightning bolt. We don't yeah. get. Uh, three damage to a target for one mana anymore. Yeah. Like, just right off the gate. Um, we don't have Doomblade. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to destroy creatures for, you know, just flat out. So this is this is an interesting... I feel like they're kind of dipping the toe back into the water as far as removal goes. Mm-hmm. So... Who knows? We may we may we may be seeing a resurgence in stronger removal. Mm-hmm. What about a last card that stands out for you in the latest spoilers or in the latest reveals? I think um, I think we would be remiss in not talking about uh, the. Uh, the latest printing of Ashiok, since both of us have a fondness for Ashiok's uh, 
both character but also the colors that mm. Ashiok slots into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited that for a five mana planeswalker, Ashiok already starts with five loyalty mm. and immediately can throw up protection in the form of a 2-3 uh, creature token that is essentially similar to Night Vale Spectre because it it's a creature it's a nightmare creature a 2-3 blue black nightmare creature token uh, and whenever it attacks or blocks each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library mm-hmm. that is nuts mm-hmm. and that's a plus one ability <laughs> yes so you, you you drop two of those, and you attack with both of those. Mm-hmm. That's four cards from each of your opponent's libraries. Mm-hmm. And you know the minus three is pretty decent. You know you can bounce something, uh, a non-land target mm-hmm. of any sort, uh, back to its owner's hand, and then that player exiles a card from their hand. That's pretty powerful. But it's the n- minus seven. You can cast up to three face-up cards your opponent's own from exile without paying their mana cost. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's not very hard to get to at all. Uh, Ashiok really defends themselves very well in those two, three blockers. And if a person tries to attack, if an opponent tries to attack Ashiok, here's some blockers. So getting to that seven, getting to eight, shouldn't be that that difficult and the whole time you're milling them into exile and i get to cast those cards that that uh that i milled off of you yeah it's a really cool card yeah i i fully plan once this set has released um i'm gonna dust off my demir uh mid-range slash control deck and i am I am spending my wild cards <laughs> because Ashiok is going in. Mm-hmm. Have you, on a slightly different tangent, have you played very much uh, Brawl in uh, in Arena? And would you use Ashiok as a Brawlmander? Um, well, to answer your first question, I've played a little bit. Um, there was the uh, Throne of Eldraine. They had like the the little event where you could try out the brawl decks and that was fun Mm -hmm. um as far as using ashiok as a brawl commander i think i think that could be really good i'm not sure if against as far as like the brawl meta if a five drop planeswalker is the right go or not Mm. but i could definitely see it working um it definitely in those colors i would have ashiok whether ashiok is the one or the part of the 59 yeah i'm undecided Mm -hmm. yeah i i've been um i've been playing the uh brawl wednesdays and i see a large variety of of people playing those that want to be really competitive with a really well-tuned yarok deck um and those that want to just have fun with some other higher casting cost commanders. So there's a, there, there definitely is a range. I do see that it feels like Brawl lasts a little longer than the standard game and that there's 
a lot of back and forth because I need my I need my bomb rare card to to top deck it to do something. So mm -hmm. in these colors, you know, there's removal plus counter magic. So there, uh, you might not summon uh, Ashiok right away when I've got five mana. I, I'd probably have to wait a little bit to to protect it a little bit more, especially from flyers. Um, but it might be fun. And again, as a commander or as one of the 59, maybe with some little bit of play testing and such, that's something to figure out. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely uh, look forward to experimenting. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll wrap up with final thoughts on the Theros Beyond Death trailer. Did you get a chance to look at that? I did. In general, what do you think uh, in to in terms of uh, like the plot that we get in this little two-minute movie? It's it's interesting. Um, the I think the thing that that I I'm still trying to kind of unravel is the the tie between Elspeth seeing the child mm -hmm. and you know the child turns around and their face is like all misshapen and deformed yes. and then you see Ashiok in the background and it's like what what is Ashiok's machinations and what is reality and what is maybe Elspeth's own trauma mm -hmm. uh because I think I think they're going to definitely definitely be uh, playing into that. Uh, that's one of her defining characteristics as a character, and so I was honestly really excited to see that they were, you know, showing another side to the white planeswalker spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who kind of has to work through their own self and and her own issues to try to uh, be that hero. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you know, to see the, the light bursting forth from her, starting at the, uh, the, the wound? hole in her plate armor. I was just like, Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So a re sparking perhaps. Who knows? It definitely runs the gamut in this short amount of time in that if you've never played original Theros, you get a sense right away in sort of like the backgrounds and the architecture and so forth of, of this world. It, it feels, you know, ancient Greek inspired. It feels mm -hmm. of the worlds of magic. Um, I, I suppose you can call them zombies, perhaps, um, walking around and if you've played Arena, you would recognize Ashiok. If you hadn't played Theros originally, you might not recognize this character. But I think if you pay attention to enough of the chatter, well, it's Elspeth. And even if you don't have a connection with the character from the original set, you get a connection from this little trailer in that, mm -hmm. uh, okay, here's a, here's the main person, main character. I don't know their name, but okay, they're, they see something. There's a little kid. The little kid seems 
to be in trouble, let me go help the kid, then whoops, it's some nightmare child or something. And then Ashiok shows up. So there's probably a lot of levels and metaphors that if you are more entrenched, you get some of what's going on. And if you're not entrenched, you, uh, you still get an interesting story. And the final tagline, escape your fate, I think that resonates pretty well with the, the fantasy of it all, of the immersiveness of magic. It's not just cool cards and strategy, but there's a, there's a story and there's a lore, and uh, we'll see how that's revealed to us, whether in the cards or ancillary reading material or videos like this. It's going to be quite the adventure. Mm -hmm. I know... Uh... I know one thing that also stood out in the trailer. Uh, you called out the the zombies, the the returned as they're called in the Theros mm -hmm. world. Yeah. And uh, if you caught right as they go through that that like veil mm -hmm. that like walls off the world of the dead, uh, there's like all this whispering and talking, and then it just kind of goes silent mm -hmm. as something kind of is like drawn out of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those for those now on the edge of your seats wondering, what was that? <laughs> uh, original Theros lore, if a returned leaves the underworld, they lose their memories. Mm. And so what you're seeing is their memories being taken from them. Hmm. So that's why they shamble around like lifeless shells, because they literally do not have any recollection of who they were, what they did. Mm-hmm. They, they have this almost hollow approximation of who they are, but mm. it's taken from them. So a little bit of lore for those of you interested. That's interesting. And it, do you know, is it are like all those memories or personalities or whatever being collected or anything like that, or they just dissipate? We, we do, we do not know. Uh, it's part of how the underworld was established. We don't know if that's by uh, the god of the dead, uh, Erebos, if that's his doing. We don't know if it's, uh, it's we do not know. Mm -hmm. And if someone does know, I would love to, love to know what that is. Tweet at the podcast, at VM Campos. <laughs> I think there's still a lot that's going to be revealed. We are, okay, if we pull back the curtain, we are recording the podcast on December 14th, and then this podcast is released on December 20th. So we're still some ways ahead. There's still more reveals that are going to happen and more of the story coming together and more being revealed on the mothership as time goes on. So I think there's a lot to be excited about. Now, um, let's talk about hype level. What is your hype level for Theros Beyond Death on a scale of 1 to 9,000? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I would have to say that uh, the Guilds of Ravnica set <laughs> was pretty much 9,000 for me <laughs> uh, because I love Ravnica. Theros is also a, a very loved set, but I wouldn't say it's 9,000, mm -hmm. maybe 8,000. Okay. Like I am still super excited that we're returning to Theros. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't think I can quite give it a 9,000. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Um, I'm also pretty hyped for it. Uh, I didn't play originally, but, um, you know, more magic is more good. So I'm on board. I can get behind that. <laughs> well, as we wind down, any final thoughts on anything? Anything arena related? Any, anything Theros Beyond Death related or Eldrain or anything at all? Like you and everyone listening, I am excited to see where we go beyond death. Same here. I can't wait to escape my fate. Would you like to promote uh, one more time your social media streams or anything like that? Sure. Uh, so this is Megan from BlueManamagic.com, a personal blog where I write about decks that I've built, uh, magic commentary on releases and single cards, as well as I have a Twitter at BlueManamagic. Uh Definitely give me a follow on Twitter. I'm a lot more active there. And there should be some upcoming deck tech over the next couple weeks uh, for those who like kitchen table decks. I definitely do. So I'll be on the lookout for that. Um, as for myself, I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I do videos on YouTube, mostly about magic, but also comic books. That's youtube.com slash vmcamposjr. And I also stream on Saturdays, 11 p.m. Pacific time. Um, you'll find me on YouTube or Twitch. I simul stream at 11 p.m. Pacific time. That's youtube.com slash vmcamposjr or on Twitch, just twitch.tv slash vmcampos. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Well, thank you for having me. As always, it is fun to talk about magic. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.